Isn't it good to be in God's house? Well, I'm glad that I'm here because I just feel like this is a house of praise. And this isn't just the theme that we're doing this month, but this is a lifestyle. And yes, we're highlighting praise this month, but praise is the very atmosphere that we're called to live in. I want to talk to you today about how to live in the atmosphere of praise. Is anyone excited about that? Anybody? Anybody? I know you are. I, just, I know you're, just, you're stunned by the title of that message. Living in the atmosphere of praise. I'm going to share something to you today that is the key to all of life. It's the key to overcome. It's the key to success. It's the key to living in joy, living in peace. It's the key to your breakthrough. It's to live in the atmosphere of praise. And I'll tell you something you over the next year are going to have an acceleration in your understanding about how to live in the atmosphere of praise. Some of you today, you've come or you've lived under a cloud, you've lived under the attack of the enemy, oppression, all sorts of things. But God's inviting you now into a new level of living in the atmosphere of praise. Praise is powerful. Wherever the praise is, the enemy can't stand. You see, the hell vomited Jesus up because he was a praiser. If you read about Jesus, when he went to hell, he began to praise, he began to declare the word of the Lord. And the enemy cannot stand it when you begin to praise. You know, he may hang around for a second, but he won't be there too long as you praise the Lord. Because when we praise God, not only are we saying, this is who you are, but the attributes that we praise God about become our attributes. Whatever we praise God for, we become. Isn't that amazing? We declare that he is our deliverer. You are mighty to save and we become a deliverer. And mighty. Dean, Pastor Dean preached about that last week. The King David, as he declared God as the deliverer, David became a deliverer. And so I'm excited today to talk to you about living in the atmosphere of praise. And I want to encourage you as I preach today, if you want to give a shout, an amen, if you want to stand on your head and praise the Lord, as long as you don't freak too many people out, you go for it. You know, you, you express your heart's desire. This is, this is not a monologue. This is a, a body functioning together. Okay, you haven't just come to hear me preach as good as I am. You've come to be engaged. This is a, this is a divine activity with you and I and God today. We're coming together to not just to hear a sermon, but to engage in a message and become the message. Amen? And I'm praying for the day, and I believe we're really close today, where every single person in the place is totally engaged in the same thing. See, it's when the disciples were in one accord, in one place, the Spirit of God came. And so the more people we have totally engaged in the moment, the more it invites Jesus to come. When two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm in the midst. See, God treasures unity on earth. Tower of Babel was a classic example in the negative. When people come together in one accord, God said there's nothing that they imagine they can't do. Imagine the power when God's people come full of the Holy Ghost in one accord in one place, there's nothing that can't be accomplished. Amen? And see, the, the problem is, one of the challenges is that so many Christians today, 
all around the world are sitting in pews listening to some man or woman preach and they're not engaged in the moment and they're wondering why God's not moving. This is all of us together today coming into a message and becoming the message. Amen? Amen. So I want you to open your Bibles with me today to the book of Genesis chapter 2 verse 8. I want to say hello to all those watching on live stream, to those on YouTube. It's great to have you here today. We appreciate that you've taken the time and God's going to minister to you as well. May the atmosphere in this house be in your house today in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 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 Woo! All right. Living in the atmosphere of praise. We got any praises? Good. Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east, in Eden. Nobody knows where Eden really is. That's not really important. But God planted a garden in the east called Eden. And there when God planted the garden, the Bible says in verse 8 that God put the man that he formed into the garden. Atmospheres, environments is so important. You know, um, there's atmosphere in rooms when after church today you'll go into our cafe area and buy lots of drinks and great food. But what you may or may not notice that there's an atmosphere that we create as you go into that room. We put music on. And when the music's not on, it seems really weird. I don't know if you noticed, but last week I walked out into the cafe and there was no music. And as soon as I walked into that room, I thought there's something not right. And I looked around and I looked at myself and I realized it wasn't me. And then all of a sudden I realized, ha, huh, there's no music. The atmosphere is dead. It's lifeless. It's missing something. And so we put the music on and all of a sudden there's an atmosphere. You go to a restaurant. I love going to fine dining restaurants and, and to observe the atmosphere of a restaurant. In some restaurants, they do it really poorly. You know, the waiters or the waitresses, are, they, they, they make you feel like that you're doing them a favour by coming. The, the surroundings, the... But you've been to those restaurants where they're grumpy, where the decor's all wrong. There's oranges and browns and pinks and it's all over the place and... You know, there's a bucking horse in the corner and they've got country and western music on and they want to charge you full premium price. The atmosphere is all wrong. Atmosphere is important. Environment is important. I'm going somewhere here today. The atmosphere that we live in is so, so important. Wherever you go... We're aware of the atmosphere. It can be dark. It can be great. So the Lord God planted a garden in the east called Eden, and there God placed mankind in. He built an atmosphere, an environment for man to dwell in. Before God created fish, he created a... It's not a trick question... Before God created fish, he built a sea, an ocean, an environment for the fish to live in. Before God created plants 
and animals God created the dry land. He pulled the, the waters into place and he created the dry land and then he created the plants and the animals. He didn't plant, create the plants and the animals and then wonder, oh, where am I going to put them? No, God creates the environment, then he places the product in the environment. Fish need water, plants need soil. Take a fish out of the sea in it. It's not a trick question again. Maybe you've never been fishing. Take a fish out of the sea in it. It dies. Not that they've taken many fish out of the sea lately. Take a plant out of soil and it's almost within an hour you begin to see the signs of death. It begins to wilt. It begins to, go, it begins to lose all its signs of life. And so as we look at Genesis 2, we see that God has prescribed an environment for every created thing on the earth. And that anything, Genesis says that anything in its wrong environment, it can't function properly. All created things must live in their God-given environment. And if they don't, they don't reach their full potential or they don't reach their full purpose. You must live in the environment that God has created you to live in. Are you getting this? So man, he too needed an environment. A woman needed an environment. So God, in Genesis 2, as we read in verse 8, creates this environment called Eden. Eden is our ideal environment. Fish, water, cows, Dogs, lions, land, humans, men, women, boys and girls. Our environment is... Our environment is... Eden. Are you listening? Earth, animals, ground, sea, fish, you and I, Eden. God created the man and woman and placed them in a place called Eden. Wow, that's amazing. So it says in Genesis 1.26, if you look at that, it says, God said to man, said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. So God gave man his image so we would act like him. And then it says in Genesis 2a that God then plants man in the garden. He places man in his presence so we would live like him. He creates man in his image so he would act like him. Then he places him in the garden so we would live with him. Are you hearing this? God planned what we would be, that we would be spirit beings. He planned that we would function in a certain way, which is by faith. And then he would plan where we would live. That's our environment. It's an amazing thought. So just as plants need to live in the earth, so too we need to live in God's presence or we die. So the Bible says that man was created to live in the atmosphere of Eden. When God originally designed us, he created us to live in Eden. I want you to think about that. 
Eden wasn't a location because many theologians say that they don't even know where Eden is. They can surmise, but really they don't know where it is because Eden's not a location. It's an atmosphere. It's an atmosphere that came down from heaven where God meets man. It's a place where heaven and earth collide. And so wherever man went, Eden went, because it's not a location, it's an atmosphere. So Adam and Eve carried Eden around them. So like the Israelites, when they, the fire and the cloud moved with Israel through the wilderness, so Adam and Eve were designed to carry Eden around them. So as the command to subdue the earth, it literally was Adam and Eve carrying a garden with them. And so wherever they went, darkness would be overwhelmed with light. So if you've ever seen like those GPS locations, you see a little dot and then there's like a rim that goes around them. And it's like wherever they went, it was like emitting from them was this garden, was this atmosphere that transformed everything around them. So where you go, Eden goes. Because Eden's not a location. Eden is an atmosphere. For behold, the kingdom of God is within us. So it is up to you and I to understand this atmosphere. Now, of course, Eden as such doesn't exist as we know it. But Eden exists in a form called the kingdom of God. It's an atmosphere that you and I are responsible to create. Here's a thought. God needs atmosphere to work with. Have you discovered that? If you get up like a grump, God finds it difficult to work with you. Has anyone discovered that? You go through taking grumpy tablets all day, being really miserable and biting at everyone. And, and here's the question. How easy is it for God to communicate to you and work through you? Yes, well, maybe some of you have done that this week. And you're, oh, that's why God didn't work. So it's necessary we understand how to bring atmosphere and how to live in it and how to work with it. We don't control the anointing of God, but we are responsible to set the atmosphere over our world. I can't force God to do anything, but I am responsible to create an atmosphere that invites God to move in my world. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 22. Why don't you turn with me right now to that? 2 Chronicles 20, verse 22. This is a famous story about the king who's surrounded by the enemy. And many of you have read this where the, the prophet comes and there's a revelation that send out the singers and the praises. And as they begin to worship, God fights on their behalf. So verse 22, it says, when they began to sing and to praise. So listen, when. Say with me, when. when. Okay. So this is something that you initiate. When they began to sing and praise, what are they doing? They are creating an atmosphere. So what have we done today as we worship? We have literally created an atmosphere, the same atmosphere that God placed Adam and Eve in, called Eden. We are creating an atmosphere that God wants to come and dwell in. When they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. 
who had come against Judah and they were routed. So they set the atmosphere and God responds. See that? When they began to sing, the, the Lord set an ambush. When they began to sing, God began to respond. You're responsible for the atmosphere over your family, over your workplace, over your own life. When you set the atmosphere, God always responds. Some of us are waiting for God to respond before we set the atmosphere. He inhabits the praises of his people. Atmosphere is set or established as the result of spiritual influence, whether good or bad. So you can go into some shops and you feel a really dark, heavy atmosphere. Has anyone ever experienced that? You can go down some lanes, some streets, and there's a heaviness. Because the atmosphere is set as a result of spiritual influence, bad or good. You can come into this place. How many times have visitors come through this building who don't know anything about our church and they walk in and they say, there's something good about this place. I can feel it. There's something in this place that just feels good. Why? Because atmosphere is, is established as a result of spiritual influence because lots of people have come into this place. We've met together and we've worshipped and we've pursued God and it creates an atmosphere. Atmosphere that is maintained over a long period of time creates a spiritual climate. So if you create an atmosphere over your life for a long period of time of praise and worship, you will establish a climate over your life. And some seeds only grow in certain climates. Yeah? So you're establishing a climate in your life of praise and worship. And sometimes we're sowing seeds, good seeds, we're giving, we're doing all the things, you know, confessing, doing all these things. And it's not a problem of the seed, it's an issue with the climate. See, the parable of 30, 60, 100 fold, it's the same seed, it's different climates. That's the issue. And so often we're not sowing the wrong seed, we just haven't established the climate for the seed to germinate and to bear fruit, 100 fold fruit. So we're responsible for setting the atmosphere. As we preach in this place, because we've set an atmosphere, there's faith, there's revelation, people can receive. And when climates are established over a long period of time, they create strongholds. So turn now to 2 Chronicles 20 again, verse 18. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord and they worshipped the Lord. Here's the atmosphere. They worshipped him. Now look at verse 20. And they rose early in the morning and they went out to the wilderness. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. So they've established an atmosphere of praise and worship. And listen, listen to what he says. Put your trust or believe in the Lord God and you will be established. Put your trust in the prophets and you will succeed. So in other words, he's saying because you have set an atmosphere of praise and worship, something is being established. There's a climate that's been established and now we have a climate where we can hear his voice. Believe in the Lord and you'll be established. Put your trust in the prophets 
and you will succeed. In other words, we now have a climate where God can freely speak because we have established an atmosphere of praise. If they didn't sing and worship, the prophets couldn't flow. If they didn't sing and worship, nothing could be established. But now they've created a climate of breakthrough in their life where God can work on their behalf. If only we would see that the more we establish an atmosphere of praise over our life, that we are now stepping into a climate where God can come and move and speak and have his way. Give the Lord a hand. Wow. So here's a thought, praise and worship. Now, I want you to hear right through because you may misunderstand this, misunderstand where I'm coming from. But praise and worship brings God's presence to us. Think about this. In, in um, Genesis 3 verse 8, it says that God came to Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Why did God come? Because here's a thought for us. Praise creates the environment that attracts God to come. Praise creates the environment for God to come on a regular basis. Eden is a picture of the atmosphere that we create over our world. So throughout the day, like Adam and Eve, we're working, we're subduing, we're doing what we need to do, but we're doing that in the bubble of praise and worship. Remember, we're in this climate of praise. And as we're working, God's observing. He's not, he's not talking to us every second of the day, but because we're in this atmosphere of praise and worship, it regularly draws God into our realm to communicate, to come and to speak to us and to love on us. Because praise draws God to us. As soon as they left Eden, that activity of God walking in the cool of the day stopped. So instead of looking for God, maybe we should focus on creating an environment that draws God to us. If you want God to come and speak and minister and do all the things that you need him to do in your life, then create an atmosphere that is like bees to honey. It's, is that the term? It's like, it's like it attracts him. It's like, I can't help myself. I've got to go. Because we've created an environment that's so attractive for him. He delights in our praises. He inhabits our praises. He's enthroned on our praises. He comes in and he sits in our praises and he sets up his throne and says, leave it to me, beaver. I'm now going to judge on your behalf. I'm in control. Sit in the back seat. Let me take control. So we make room for God and he comes. He comes. See, it sounds a bit strange I'm saying, well, God will come to us. And Andrew, I thought you've taught us that God is always with us. And it's true. God, God's omnipresence is, is, is such a reality for every believer. We're in Christ Jesus. But God's omnipresence doesn't mean that you're always aware of him. He's in you. But you can live a whole day and just, yes, God's in my heart. You know, because the Bible says that, I am the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. He's made his home in me. Amen. Okay, so that, that never changes. God doesn't, he's not, he's not skittery. He doesn't come and go. 
based on my behaviour. The Holy Spirit comes inside me because he rests on the person of Jesus. And because I'm in Christ, the Holy Spirit is inside me. That, that's a reality. But we're talking now about the awareness of his presence. And I heard the analogy that, that really helps us understand this, that you can drink as much water as you like, but you'll never float. Have you tried that? I once had this um, little test to do where you had to drink litres of water with some additives in it. And after about an hour, I felt like I was, you know, I was, like I was on an ocean. It was all moving inside me. But you can drink as much water as you like, but you'll never float. But here's the other thing. You can jump into the ocean. So the water's not inside you, but the water's now lifted you up and it's taken all the heaviness away. You can float in the ocean, but you can't float when the water's inside you. And so the Holy Spirit comes to live inside us. He, he brings our spirit alive, but there's another dimension where we come into his manifest presence. We're aware of his presence, and now he begins to lift us up. That's why the Bible says we put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And so that heaviness begins to lift. God begins to lift us up. He inhabits our praises. And he lifts us out of that feeling of depression and, and, and negativity and lack. He begins to lift us way, way out of that. And all of a sudden, I'm beginning to float. How many floaters here today? <laughs> Woo! So God's attracted to our praise. Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer and he said, that the king, May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we know that in heaven that God is surrounded by praise. That, that when you die, you don't cease to exist. You know, he's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that whenever a believer dies, they, they don't cease, but they, they are promoted into the glory of God. And right now they're worshiping God. And so there's a thin membrane between them and us. In fact, it's a divine dance between all the saints of heaven and all the saints on earth. There's a, uh, there is a yes in heaven and an amen on earth. There is a divine synchronization. And see, we need to be aware that we're, we're, we are seated with God uh, in heavenly places at the right hand of God. That we are, there, There's an emerging of that which is in heaven that which is on earth. That the climate of heaven is becoming one with earth. And my, my theory is that, that the day that heaven and earth become one in unison, it'll, there will be no longer a gap. And that's when what we call the rapture will take place. Enoch was and then was not. He took one step one day, and because he was so much a part of heaven, he couldn't come back. And this divine dance, won't be, there won't be a large chasm. We will take a step, and maybe it'll be a day in worship like today, where we're all worshipping God and we've got our hands raised and Josh is at the front. And all of a sudden you open your eyes and it's no longer Josh, but it's the angel Gabriel and Josh on his side for a guest appearance. Isaiah 51.3 says, The Lord will comfort Zion. He will look on compass with compassion on all her ruins. He will make Zion like, sorry, he will make her deserts like the Garden of Eden her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Now listen, 
I just read your verse. I don't know if you got that. God's talking about Zion, which is a picture of the church. And a picture of all that God wants to do. He sees our ruins, our pain, our, the areas that like deserts. And he says, I'm going to make your desert like Eden. Every area of waste in your life, I'm going to make like the garden of the Lord. And listen to what it says. And joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the sound of singing. That tells me that in Eden, there's joy and gladness. In Eden, there's the sound of singing. He's saying that I'm going to take every area that's desolate in your life and I'm going to transform it into an oasis. It's going to come about because you have pursued an atmosphere of praise and worship. And when we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are saying, God, let the atmosphere of praise and worship be established in my heart. Any praises here? Amen. I like it. I mentioned this before, but Psalm 22.3 says that God inhabits the praises of his people. I don't know about you, but I need the stability of God's unchanging presence, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and the Bible says that we can cultivate this atmosphere of praise. Hebrews 13, verse 15, it says, Through Christ, therefore, let us offer up the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that give thanks or that confess his name. We can cultivate this atmosphere today. And I don't have time to do it because, you know, we're going to go into a session of, worship, of praise in a minute. But as we cultivate this atmosphere of praise, amazing things begin to happen. If I had time, I could tell you, praise brings us into the rest. Uh, his presence brings us through praise, into victory and breakthrough and blessing. I want you to see it today, that as we establish an atmosphere over our world of praise and worship, God is attracted to that. He's established in that. And when God comes in, everything changes. So I want you to look at me today. I am commending you, challenging you, prodding you. Whatever I can to do is to say this, your life will change if you change the atmosphere over your life. If you make a deliberate decision that I'm going to bless the Lord, I'm going to praise him. My friend, I'm speaking from experience. When you come up against obstacles, things that defy you, things that want to pull you down, that want to crush you, that want you to, to give up, to resign, to say it can never change. You know, the enemy comes against all of us. Sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and the most just torturous thoughts come against me. There's no point going to heaven. Yeah, and all this, you know, the enemy will lie to you and God will come and say, that's not my voice. I don't speak to you like that. I'm going to put a song of praise in your heart today. That, you know, I want to tell you today that the only way that God speaks to you, his language is the fruit of the spirit. His language is love and joy and peace and self-control. And any lie, any language that comes to your heart that doesn't, doesn't, doesn't have the fruit of the Spirit as its DNA is not from God. And so we begin to discern the voice of God, discern the voice of the enemy. And in the midst of our pain and the confusion, the Bible says that in this world we'll have tribulation. The enemy will come against us. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And how do we overcome? We begin to lift up a sound of praise. We establish in our world our own garden of Eden. 
Would you like to come to my garden? Would you like to walk around and see all the wonderful trees that I've created as I've praised? So as I praise, I get, see, God created the first Eden. You create the second. You create your own Eden by praise and worship. And the garden can be as big and luxurious as you like because we are the creators of Eden. And as we begin to worship and praise, God comes down in the cool of the day and begins to walk and talk with us and talk to us about his plans for the end times, what he wants to do to bring glory to his son, how he's going to use you to establish the kingdom. And we say, thanks for that, Lord. See you again tomorrow. And we keep tending the garden, worshiping and praising and exalting his name. And then we walk and we take a new street, a new area. Eden becomes established in our heart, then established in our family, established in our workplace, established in our community, established in our church, established in our city, and God willing, established in our nation. All through praise, all through worship. You say, could that really happen? Well, right through the Bible, we see examples of men and women who have stood up with the high praises in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand that began to worship God. Daniel, Joseph, Esther, all of them, they knew how to worship before the Lord. Amen. And as they did that, God came and God did his work. Paul and Silas in jail, they worshiped and they sang before the Lord and God turned up. He says, I'll, I'll come and I'll be part of this. And whenever God comes, freedom always comes. Wherever God comes, breakthrough comes. Wherever God comes, there's increase. When God comes, he establishes his nature wherever he is. And so wherever you need a breakthrough, just begin to worship. Let God come and establish his throne and his throne will bring breakthrough, increase. So the issue is not so much always the seed. Yes, we've got to plant seed, but then, then our primary... See, here's been my challenge. I plant a seed and then I dig the seed up and look at the seed. I think, well, maybe we should have put a bigger seed in. <laughs> then, I, then I walk around and come back and look at the seed again. Say, God, you're not growing the seed. And God says, plant the seed and then cultivate the atmosphere. Cultivate the ground. Water it, plant it, weed it, praise, worship. And let me do what only I can do. And automatically by itself, that seed that you've sown will grow. First the blade, then the head, then the full grain. And the man doesn't know how it grew. Because he goes to sleep at night and gets up in the day. He enters into the rest of praise and worship. And he rests and God does the rest. Amen? Amen. So the first Eden was established by God. The second Eden is established by you. You alone are responsible for the atmosphere over your life. If you've come here today and you're feeling sad, depressed, I understand. I feel sad and depressed. It sucks. It's terrible. It's part of living in a fallen world. The pressure, the responsibility, the pain, wanting to control things and you can't control them, wanting to express yourself properly and you can't express yourself properly. And we've got to get to a place where we say, God, I can't do it anymore! He says, finally, I could have told you that years ago. It's taken you 53 years to work out you can't do it. Well, that's, 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 that's good because some people never figure that out. 
You're a slow learner, but you're a learner. So, so, so okay, now, what are you going to do? This, this is how you're going to live. From this day, I'm going to live in an atmosphere of praise and worship. I'm going to control the one thing that I can control that nobody can take away from me. That's the atmosphere of praise. That's why the martyrs, when they were burnt at the stake and they lifted up their hands, they couldn't control the fire. They couldn't control what was going on, but they could control the atmosphere of praise. That's why John, the disciple, could never be taken. They put him in a boiling pot of oil and he popped out because he could control one thing, was the atmosphere of praise. And God became his deliverer. My friend, wherever you are, there's one thing that you can control. It's the power of praise over your life. And you go, well, I don't know how to praise. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You know how to praise. Well, how do you? Well, because there are areas in your life that you're praising now. You may praise your football team. You may praise your own, uh, own efforts. You may praise your kid. You may praise your garden outside. And you look on it with fondness and say, oh, you're beautiful. There's something that you're praising now. So turn that around and bring that attention upon God himself. Forget what other people are thinking. It really doesn't matter. You're in a house today of radical praises. And nobody will care if you get excited. In fact, they'll be thankful. Finally. Finally, I'm in a row in the church that's excited. You can establish that. You have authority. See, this is the power. I'm going to finish in a minute. This is the power that you have. Listen carefully. There was a story of a man who was possessed with what we think is 6,000 demons. As I say about this story, that's a bad day. That's a lot of headaches. That's a lot of problems. One demon would be enough to send you around the bend, but he had 6,000. Imagine that, Joan. 6,000 demons. Don't imagine that. 6,000. It's enormous. All those demons, when they were cast out, went into pigs. There was 2,000 pigs, so there are either 2,000 demons or six, depending on how you read it. But there's a lot of demons, at least 2,000. And when they got inside the pigs, the pigs all ran off the cliff and killed themselves. So those demons carried a spirit of destruction and death. 6,000, all 2,000, how many thousand, inside one man. And Jesus comes, and that man walks up to Jesus, and he worships him, even when he's bound. So that tells me, no matter how bad you're going today, no matter what challenges, God has given every human this incredible power called your will. The Bible says, I will bless the Lord. So in your darkest hour, your will can rise up supercharged by the Holy Ghost. Not my will, but your will be done. Sacrifice and burnt offering you don't desire, but what you have given me is this beautiful gift called your will. That's why the blood of bulls and goats can't save you, because there's no will involved. Jesus' will was offered up to the Father as your redemption. And so you have that same will, Christ in me, that you can stand against all the onslaught of the devil and know this in your heart, no matter how bad I feel, I have the will of Jesus Christ in me. He has supercharged my will and I can say in the midst of pain, I will bless the Lord. 
His praise will be in my mouth. I will set the atmosphere over my world today in Jesus' name. And as I create my Eden, God's going to come. It may not be right now, but he's going to come sometime during the day. As he comes each day, he's coming. And when he comes, he's going to have a word of deliverance, of breakthrough for my life. And I'm going to establish that environment today. So in a minute, as Josh comes and his amazing team, we're going to finish with a song of praise. And as we do that, I want to encourage you today to make a commitment during this song that praise is going to be your lifestyle, that you're going to set an atmosphere of praise. Are you hearing me? Don't turn off now. And what I want to encourage you to do, and we said this over the last few weeks, is to increase the size of your garden. How do you do that? Increase the size of your praise. Increase the intensity of your praise. Sometimes if you want your garden to expand, you've got to dance. Sometimes you've got to shout. Sometimes you've got to clap your hands. Sometimes you've just got to say, Jesus, I love you. Your praise, no matter how small it is, is beautiful to him. Just saying, Jesus, I love you. I worship you. That attracts God into your life. So I want to say to you today, God wants to enlarge your Eden today. He wants to enlarge your garden. He wants to bring breakthrough. He wants to bring more of his kingdom to be established in your life. And we do that by creating the environment, the atmosphere of praise.